If you're like me, you care about getting the most from your workouts, which means wearing the finest performance gear. You know, fabric that dries quickly and has superior moisture wicking properties. Fabric so soft and comfortable, you could, well, curl up and sleep in it. Introducing Sheeks, spelled S-H-E-E-X, the world's first performance bedding line. Sheeks began when two former elite athletes and coaches had an aha moment, combining everything we love about quality performance fabric with everything we love about comfortable, irresistible bedding. Unlike traditional sheets that trap heat, sheets are breathable, so you aren't constantly waking up to throw off covers or add a blanket. So you sleep deeper, longer, and better. And sheets bedding looks as good as it feels. Colors and styles that can match any decor at a price that will pleasantly surprise you. And right now, you can try sheets for 30 nights risk-free. Just go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 12-12. This is a special bonus hour number three of the World According to Zig podcast for this August the 6th, 2017. My name is John Ziegler. I am the host of this show where you can still get the truth about news, politics, media, sports, and culture from a true conservative perspective in this world turned upside down. reason why we're doing a bonus hour number three, <laughs> there are a lot of reasons why, but uh, hopefully you'll appreciate it and enjoy them. But the, the bottom line is that because of a technical issue with the studio, we had to move the date of our taping, which then forced me to uh, cancel, not cancel, they actually weren't able to make, our original guest was not able to make the taping, so that forced me then to try to find a new guest, and I ended up getting two guests within several minutes of each other, both of which I really wanted, so that's good, but that's why we're doing it bonus hour number three, and this uh, hour's guest, who is a reporter for NPR by the name of David Falkenflick, I'm really looking forward to because NPR broke a bombshell story this week. Now, it's a bombshell story if it's true. It's fascinating even if it's not all true. But if all if it's completely true, it'll basically bring down the Trump White House eventually. And here's the bottom line of the story. You've heard about probably the Seth Rich conspiracy theory that was put forward mostly by Sean Hannity and others at Fox News Channel. The idea that the former DNC staffer who was murdered in Washington, D.C. during the campaign actually was murdered, I guess, because he was the person behind the hacking of the DNC emails and gave them to WikiLeaks and had nothing at all to do with Russia, except this theory makes no damn sense for a number of reasons. First of all, there's no evidence for it when there should be massive evidence. After all, this is an email story. Where's the one email between WikiLeaks and Seth Rich? He had to get them the emails in some way. Obviously, WikiLeaks would have this. I mean, they would have an incentive for this to be public, not to mention the fact that, so wait a minute, The Democratic Party, I know they're dumb, but they're going to murder a staffer in the middle of a presidential election because they're afraid. (laughs) They're afraid of the repercussions. 
of these emails, none of which turned out to be all that explosive, on an election. At that point, they were sure they were going to win. <laughs> so it, it's it's absurd, okay? It's absurd, but it serves a purpose, uh, which is to fool the cult 45 Trump fans into thinking that this Russia story isn't true. Now, of course, the fact that you would be that desperate to convince your cult that something isn't true makes me think, hmm, it must be true then. Otherwise, you wouldn't be going to these bizarre lengths. Okay, so that's the Seth Rich story. Well, this NPR bombshell came out this week in conjunction with a lawsuit by a Fox News contributor by the name of Rod Wheeler. And Rod Wheeler, and it's important to point out, this is a lawsuit, and I have some problems with the lawsuit. Some of this feels like throwing everything up against the wall and hoping to get a settlement from Fox News Channel. So I'm inherently suspect, suspicious, cynical about a lawsuit. But the allegations in this lawsuit are backed up by some legitimate documentation, and they make a lot of sense. And the essence of this is that the guy who was funding the Fox News Channel attempt to substantiate the Seth Rich conspiracy through this Rod Wheeler as an investigator, a guy by the name of Ed Butowski, a Republican rich fundraising type who has close ties to the White House, Butowski had claimed and has claimed that he was just investigating the Seth Rich murder out of the goodness of his heart and that uh, he wanted the Seth Rich family to have closure and that he then hired Rod Wheeler and Wheeler then made these statements for Fox News Channel that he knew, according to the lawsuit, were not true. And that he was effectively forced to do that because he was creating a narrative for Fox News Channel. Now, why was he doing that? And why did Butowski want him to do that? Well, according to the lawsuit, Butowski had gotten direct direction, very specific direction, to do this from none other than President Donald Trump. That Trump himself, Trump himself had looked over the story, had molded the story, approved the story, and then pushed the story to those on Fox News Channel. And there are emails and voicemails and other documentation that doesn't prove Trump's involvement, but certainly seems to prove the essence of the story and where the logic and the timeline is certainly consistent with the overall narrative of the lawsuit. So I found this fascinating. I wrote a column about it for Mediate. You can find that at freespeechbroadcasting.com or just Google John Ziegler Mediate and... uh, NPR or something along those lines. I'm sure it'll come up. And I wanted to speak to the reporter behind the story because I think in this particular situation, how this story came to be is very important to understanding what the truth might be. So let's do that now. NPR reporter David Falkenflick, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Great to join you. All right. I I wrote on Mediate, David, that uh, your story, your bombshell story this week about this uh, lawsuit involving a Fox News Channel and the Seth Rich conspiracy and potentially the president of the United States all being involved 
is either the biggest news story uh, of the recent weeks or months and maybe the linchpin to the destruction of the Trump administration, or it's a story that got manipulated to in order to try to trump up a lawsuit. I'm curious, what do you make of that analysis? Uh, you know, I want to be uh, open-minded to where the story will go. Uh, and I also think that, uh, you know, I think it's impossible for, uh, what was the line for Walt Whitman's, I contain multitudes, you know, uh, I think it's possible for for this story to contain multitudes. And that is for uh, people to be able to show that it is being inflated on one side or another, uh, and for it still to have certain kinds of gravity. Uh you know, this is a story that has significant implications for the Trump administration. Uh, it is a story that has significant implications for the Trump administration's actual handling of the question of its uh, ties to Russia, for which every day we seem to have a growing uh, concern and activity in, uh, on the, uh, you know, prosecutorial side, shall we say, and investigative side. Uh, and it's, you know, I'm a guy who covers uh, the intersection of media and politics, right? So for me, it's a story with a lot of implications for Fox News as well. And there is, it seems, an intersection uh, uh, writ large between Fox and politics, a political actor in this case, Ed Butowski, somebody who wanted to do well by the Trump administration, and certainly at minimum who got his foot into the door at the White House to talk to them directly about this for a meeting. Now, what, you know, you're asking, was this pumped up? Uh, certainly a lawsuit is one side of things. Uh, there's an extraordinary degree of documentation for the allegations in this lawsuit. We can get into those in a minute. Uh, but there, and, and the assertion by Rod Wheeler, the, the private detective who brought this lawsuit, uh, that he met in the White House with, with Sean Spicer, the White House press secretary, and with Ed Butowski, this guy who seems to have orchestrated all this, uh, was confirmed by all three people who were in the room. So that, to me, is dispositive that it, that meeting actually happened. Can we prove that uh, at this moment that the president of the United States has claimed in a variety of messages from uh, uh, Ed Butowski in order to try to pressure uh, Wheeler to get on the air at Fox vouching for this story? Can we prove that that took place? We can at the moment. But given the nature of this presidency and given the nature of the spokespeople for the White House uh, who have denied that he played any role in looking at this story, uh, I find it's very hard to rule out. You just made uh, several really important and interesting points, but I want to address the, the last one you made. I had planned on getting this into this a little bit later on, but let's get right to it now. You just said that you, you appear to be, and I understand this and I agree with this, you appear to be evaluating the facts that you found through the prism of the fact that this White House in general and this president in particular are not trustworthy. I'm curious if the same allegations were levied against, say, Barack Obama, how would NPR have reacted differently to this lawsuit? Well, so let's start in reverse a little bit. If this lawsuit had emerged, this is a lawsuit against Fox News. It's against uh, its parent company, 21st Century Fox, against Malia Zimmerman, the reporter on Fox News, who Rod Wheeler alleges planted quotations in his mouth that were essentially the crux of the story. linking Seth Rich to the idea of the leaks of these tens of thousands of emails from the Democratic Party officials. Uh, and it's a suit against Ed Butowski, who's the vocal Trump uh, supporter, 
uh, and sometime, you know, TV surrogate who uh, orchestrated all this uh, in a way that was not transparent with the rich family whom I've interviewed, the, at least the parents I have. Uh, uh, you know, he presented himself as a good Samaritan concerned about their grief for their son and his unsolved murder. And instead, uh, uh, if you believe the allegations made in this lawsuit, you know, he had an agenda from the outset to try to help the Trump administration by uh, distracting attention from the growing concerns about the level of collusion between the Trump camp and the Russians. Fine. Uh, if this lawsuit had been filed and those allegations had been contained and they were simply allegations, I certainly would have been likely to cover it. After all, Rod Wheeler, the person making the allegations, is himself a paid Fox contributor and has been since 2005. So if he's good enough to be a paid Fox contributor, it's hard for the network to utterly dismiss his uh, credibility unless they can... You know, I, I think the burden of proof is on people making allegations. And at the same time, you know, it's not as though he's somebody that they have found to be untrustworthy for years. They found to be trustworthy enough to put on their air. Uh, that said, this case contained an extraordinary amount of documentation. There were right. text messages. There were emails. There were voicemail messages. And there were recordings uh, of conversations of people in person and uh, by phone. And so the degree to which... Uh, uh, I was able to lay out allegations. I was even able to obtain some of the uh, conversation tapes and play that on, on Morning Edition, which I think is a crucial for people to hear these folks in their own recognizable voices talking uh, and acknowledging in one case that, the, that the, at least some of the quotations had, were not his, uh, were not Wheeler's. Uh, that documentation gave great heft to it. Now, the part about Spicer gets you into the White House and was substantiated by my reporting before, you know, before my story ever hit and before the lawsuit was filed. So that meant that I was able to, with confidence, say there is some sort of White House tie. You know, I don't think that uh, Tony Snow, as press secretary for George W. Bush, would have uh, been taken too many meetings in the White House uh, to go over the swift boat stuff. It might well be that Karl Rove in a uh, you know, in a campaign office is doing that. But I don't think the White House press, like, you know, that's a political thing or and it, it, it's a little dirty pool, but it's a political thing. Right. So if you ask, would I have covered this the same way with President Obama and would I cover this? You know, I would say I wouldn't have covered this almost the same way with any presidency, because this president has been almost uniquely interested uh, openly and explicitly in conspiracy theories dating back to the question of President Obama's birth. Uh, going into the Seth Rich thing, which he's raised sort of unprompted, uh, you know, both on the campaign trail and by tweeting, uh, certainly during his transition period uh, uh, early this January. Uh, there were tweets in which he talks about it. Uh, and uh, uh, sadly, you know, the way in which this White House has operated has forced people to go out and uh, to say things that are almost certainly knowingly untrue and that are often proven certainly to be untrue. Uh, and so it's hard to say, well, it's been denied and therefore it's untrue. And it's hard to say, well, he's president of the United States. He wouldn't be interested in conspiracy theories. If it had been President Obama, if it had been President George W. Bush, President Clinton, President H.W. Bush, you know, these are all the presidents who were in office in the times that I've been a reporter for the last 26 or whatever years. Right. Uh, I would not have given that as much credence. What I will say is we don't know, but that people in this White House uh, have been rewarded uh, for presenting the president with, shall we say, I don't know, the phrase comes to mind as alternative facts uh, and allowing him to use that to try to deflect some of the, uh, the uh, attacks. I, I don't think it's an accident that you saw uh, Steve Bannon and uh, Sebastian Gorka 
take pictures this week with the author Dinesh D'Souza with his new book, Peddling More Conspiracy Theories. Uh, you know, he was in the White House with these senior advisors uh, having his picture taken, and he put it up on Twitter and then took it back down. But uh, uh, it's not a White House that seems to be run to uh, filter unreliable information out of the president's uh, uh, knowledge. Uh, that may change, of course, under the new chief of staff. David, I get everything you just said. I agree with just about everything you just said. But I just wanted to clarify that that's where we are now, where where news media outlets are forced with legitimate reason to interpret data differently because of the nature of this president. And I think you just acknowledge that. And I think that's perfectly fine. But that's where we are. And that's, that's yeah, it's not you know, I want to be clear. It's not that just every unfounded allegation is given credence. It's that, you know, this is a guy who's made a lot of very founded uh, claims it seems to me, and documented claims. We want to hear back from some of the other players. You know, I, I certainly spoke with Fox well before, you know, before this. Uh, I spoke to them at some length, and I spoke to Ed Butowski at great length before the story aired. So it's, it's you know, it, it's one side of it, but it's not only one side of it. Okay. Uh, but, uh, but you're right. I think the nature of this White House and the nature of uh, the falsity of the information being put out by people uh, empowered to speak on behalf of the White House and the nature of this president means that we do have to gauge uh, the possibility of him, uh, uh, him, uh, uh, President Trump and his aides uh, behaving in a way that we would have been very unlikely to credit in previous administrations. That's certainly a fair statement. Yes, and I and I, I give you credit for acknowledging that, and I think it's an important point, uh, and one again, which I think is unfortunately justified. Now, before we get into the details, which we will, I have one other question, I guess, about the the uh, the story behind the story here. This obviously is a lawsuit. And I'll be very straight with you. There are parts of this lawsuit that smell very fishy to me, especially the racial discrimination aspect that Rod Wheeler is claiming against uh, Fox News Channel. And to me, it feels like we're never going to know the full truth of this because I think he's just trying to get a settlement from Fox News Channel, which has shown itself very vulnerable to lawsuits very in very recent time, mostly of the sexual harassment variety. Uh, but this appe- appears to me to be an appeal for money. So with, with, but that, that's not my question. My question is this. Give us a sense of how your story evolved, and did they come to you as a way of pro- essentially promoting this lawsuit, uh, or was this all just a big coincidence that in, in the timing? Give us a sense of that. Well, let me give you some context the best I can. And, you know, I don't usually get into the precise genesis of stories. You take stories and tips where you get them, and you try to follow them as hard as you can, right? In terms of uh, Rod Wheeler, you know, I think it's fair to look at uh, him and to evaluate him. He was on the police force, the Metropolitan Police Force. I confirmed that with them in Washington, D.C. from 1990 to 1995. Uh, he was a homicide detective for mo- much or most of that time. Uh, he was dismissed in uh, 1995 uh, for uh, the uh, insubordination. Uh, the uh, uh, his lawyer confirms, and there's been a report in the Washington City paper about this, but his lawyer confirms that there was a test that he took in which, as, as his lawyer puts it, there were trace amounts of marijuana. Uh, this is over 20 years ago, but that's, that's what that was. Uh, so uh, not directly, as, as far as we know, related to his policing, but certainly probably a problem for a law enforcement officer. Uh, in the lawsuit, it talks about his frustration at Fox and not becoming more prominent, more uh, prominently featured. Uh, and that was something that he clearly wanted. Uh, people have said, well, maybe there's, that indicates that he is more of a financial uh, uh, imperative here. It may mean that he is more of a motivation because of the frustration with Fox there. Uh, any or all of that may be true. Uh, 
And yet it may also serve to explain why he, to a degree, although not the degree that they ascribed to him, but to a degree seemed to go along with the story, the details of which we can get into. That is that he was desirous of pleasing Fox. He wanted to be on the air more. Uh, And I think it's perfectly valid to look at the background of his law, the law firm representing him. Douglas Wigdor is a prominent uh, New York employment attorney. Uh, and although you are absolutely right about the sexual harassment suits and complaints that have been, you know, took out the late Roger Ailes, as well as Bill O'Reilly, as well as, uh, you know, sweeping out some of the executives that had been in place, uh, Wigdor's law firm is also pursuing, I think, more than 20 lawsuits against Fox News on racial discrimination grounds. And the initial several that they filed were shocking in their level of detail and their uh, perniciousness. And okay. Fox's response to, let me just say this, Fox's response a couple days before it was filed was to fire the woman at the center of that lawsuit. So Fox basically acknowledged explicitly, not basically explicitly acknowledged that there was some there. So I don't know that Rod uh, Wheeler's racial claims will hold up. They seem contingent on the fact that he hasn't gotten uh, as much promotion as, as white uh, controversial uh, former detectives as Mark Furman and Bo Deedle both of whom are not only more famous, but more infamous, you know, nationally and probably internationally. So, you know, I I think it's fair to question that claim. And it's fair to question, you know, is this all about money? You know, my sense is is that they went to Fox and would have been happy for Fox to, you know, settle. Did did Rod Wheeler come to you or did anyone representing him come to you and help you get this story? How did that happen? Well, as I say, uh, I have done a lot of reporting on Fox News for the last, 17 years, and I've certainly done a lot of intensive reporting, as have other reporters, uh, in the last, call it, 13 months uh, uh, on the various scandals besetting Fox. You know, I learned of elements of this uh, and, you know, worked to substantiate every single thing that went into uh, my story on Aaron Online. And, you know, this was not, you know, clearly, you know, you can always take a lawsuit and, uh, take the allegations and just publish them and see if you can get some reaction. You know, what we, I tried to do was make sure that uh, as I gained uh, facts and as I gained allegations and insight that, that I was going to all parties who had a stake in all of this stuff. All right. Well, look, I understand that you need to protect sources, but to fully evaluate this story, which is a really important and a great story with a lot of great journalism behind it, I think you need to fully understand how it came about. And it certainly appears to me, Oxum's Razor tells me that Rod Wheeler gave you or indirectly gave you a ton of this stuff, the voicemails, the emails, that kind of material. And he has a dramatic financial incentive for that to happen. So as a, as a reader of your story, a listener of your story, is that not legitimate for me to assume? I think you're, you're welcome to interpret it whatever way makes sense to you. I tried to be pretty explicit with folks about uh, the information I had, and it is true that I interviewed uh, Doug Wigdor, his attorney, the day before uh, my story went to air, as I interviewed Ed Butowski uh, the day before my story went to air, and as I interviewed Cy Hirsch and people at Fox and uh, you know uh, uh, people at the FBI and other people as well. There was a lot of uh, facts to chase uh, before uh, – uh, as one senator I used to say before the before the soup's ready. Okay, well, I I, I, I appreciate your your situation in answering the question as honestly as you can, but I think I, I feel justified in my interpretation of how this all went down. All right, now enough of that. Let's get to what was is actually alleged and what the evidence for that is. 
And and the key to me, I mean, all this stuff is interesting, especially from a Fox News standpoint. But I'm more interested, I think it's far more significant, as to whether or not President Trump was really directing this Seth Rich conspiracy and driving it on to Fox News on his two favorite shows, Fox and Friends and on on Sean Hannity's program. And the key to understanding the legitimacy of that theory or allegation is this Ed Butowski, the Republican uh, fundraiser guy, the allegedly rich dude, uh, although he's claiming not to be quite as rich as as, uh, perceived, I guess. Uh, What evidence do you believe is the strongest that Butowski really did, as is claimed in some of these these documents and, and voicemail messages, really did get direction from President Trump as opposed to potentially just lying about it to Wheeler to try to get Wheeler to do his bidding? I think uh, there are possible scenarios that you've outlined here, and I can't say, you know, my reporting doesn't prove that uh, President Trump had advanced knowledge of this. Uh, I I would say it's entirely possible Butowski was inflating uh, his importance, uh, as Sean Spicer's uh, comments to me would suggest, although he didn't take any shots at at Butowski. You know, I spoke with these guys at some length, uh, but... Spicer said, you know, essentially uh, he had no knowledge that that ever occurred. And since he was the guy who talked to Butowski, he'd be surprised by that. Uh, uh, And then he issued a more explicit but sort of uh, uh, kind of pro forma denial of any of it later on. And, you know, it it was interesting to me that uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders at the White House lectern in the press room the next day uh, said, uh, or later that day, I guess, uh, said, uh, you know, it's fine that Spicer took this meeting. We meet with reporters all the time. Usually you're meeting with reporters because reporters are securing information from you, not because you're securing information from reporters. Mm-mm. So it's an interesting, uh, right. uh, uh, delicate dance step that she's taken there rhetorically. Uh, what I would say is we don't know, and I think that's a really fair and important point to point out. Is, is it more likely that... Uh, uh, that Ed Butowski inflated uh, the case in order to give urgency. Uh, yeah, it, it, it would seem that certainly in normal circumstances. The other way of thinking about it is I know from my reporting that President Trump calls uh, Fox personalities, the folks on Fox and Friends, uh, Sean Hannity, uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle, uh, Tucker Carlson, Eric Bowling, uh, and probably some others besides frequently, Janine Pirro, people like that, frequently, not infrequently, frequently. And that at a certain point, it's, it's disruptive to them, uh, the degree to which he calls. And it's unnerving. Some of them love it, like Kimberly Guilfoyle, clearly rebels in it. But, uh, you know, I think that it's, it's, it's a little problematic. So you're talking about a guy who, you know, and let me talk, tell you about this, though. Trump doesn't just talk about uh, uh, serious stories. He talks about the implication of stories, how they're framed. Sometimes he will talk about lighting on the set. And he will say he likes the way this thing is lit or he thinks that something is shot from the wrong angle. I mean, you're talking about a president who's deeply invested with cable news right. as the chief medium through which his presidency is absorbed. Right. So I don't think it is far-fetched to think that right. it is possible that he would take a direct interest in that if he were aware of it. Right. Uh, similarly, you know, it's worth noting the timing on all this. And this may sound – I don't want to put the heart cart before the horse for your, your listeners here, but, you know, the point at which – this has been a month-long process starting in February. In May, you know, uh, and they're, 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 they're trying to get back and forth, and uh, they've heard about, they think, a source from the, uh, involving the FBI that might show some connection between 
Seth Rich and, and WikiLeaks, uh, the DNC things from the famous investigative uh, reporter Cy Hirsch, but Hirsch hasn't published anything on this himself, so he hasn't seen fit to print yet that he feels confident enough. And he said to me that he felt Butowski was just inflating everything and taking gossip as gospel. But, uh, you know, on, on, in May, things start to get very intense in a single week period. And the timeline becomes very interesting. On May 9th, President Trump fires the FBI and director. James Comey, who's overseeing the expanding Russia investigation. On May 10th, the reporter from Fox News and the, uh, the vocal Trump backer, Ed Butowski, who's a frequent unpaid Fox contributor, sent an email to Rod Wheeler, who's serving as a source for this story, but is also himself frequently a Fox personality. And they say, we have a source from the FBI. And, they, and then Butowski starts in the ensuing days to say, we got to get this on air. It's really important for us to go. And then uh, as, as the days lead up to May 16th, when the story is first posted and broadcast, uh, Butowski says, you should know the White House is aware of this. And then he says, uh, you should know uh, the president is aware of this. And then he says, you know, the pre- you should know the president has read a draft of this story or has read the story is what he says right. and wants it on the air. Now it's time for us to do whatever he can to get it on the air. Do I know that President Trump has, has, uh, is being fairly characterized there by Butowski in, the, in that voicemail, that, that text message, the email? I don't. What I do know is that he's using that to leverage uh, Wheeler on the air. And what I do know is because of the nature of this president, seeing this president, you can't rule it out. So I get it. And and, and the timeline, I agree with you, is is extraordinarily interesting, uh, to say the least. And you've only really just touched on part of it. Uh, I know our time is short here and a couple other things I really want to get to with regard to um, Butowski, a. The lawsuit, as I read it, and as I read your story, and I, maybe I'm misinterpreting, I'm sure you'll, you'll let me know, implies, at least, I think, that there might be more evidence out there uh, directly linking uh, Trump to this story. Am I interpreting that properly? And if, if I am interpreting it properly, what, what, do you, what is your take on that? Well, if this case proceeds and if it gets to court, that is, if a judge lets it proceed, if Fox doesn't try to settle, if there's not some legal hang-up somehow to the case, uh, you know, they're going to take depositions. They're going to get into what's called discovery, as you know, and that's going to allow them to try to see if they can get information from presidential aides to see what kinds of conversations they had. Now, sometimes you can get some of this stuff, and a lot of times you can't. So... It will be interesting to see what information comes to bear. The additional thing is, of course, that this has been an exceptionally leaky White House. Right. So but just to be clear, just to be... I don't have. I'm just. If you're asking me, do I have evidence that, that Trump participated that I'm holding back at this point? You know, I do not. Okay, but have you heard of have you have you heard of evidence that seems credible that has not been in the public domain yet? No, what I have are judgments of people who know him well who say they think it's entirely possible or like, even likely that he that he did. Okay, but that's, right. that's 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 a very different assessment. I understand. I get it. I get it. La- last question on Butowski. He gave a television interview, which was classically bonkers for uh, which happens often uh, with these uh, people within the sphere of Donald Trump. After your story came out, what was your reaction, having interviewed him yourself? What was your reaction to Butowski's TV interview? Well, it's funny. I was at that moment being uh, about to be interviewed by another news organization, and I just sat there with the reporter watching it because we thought, well, we'll watch a minute or two and we'll change. And this is the one with Chris Cuomo on CNN. Right. 
Uh, and it went on for what, 20, 25 minutes or something. Right. right. Uh, and it was, uh, uh, <laughs> it was mesmerizing in its erraticism. Uh, you know, uh, Butowski is a voluble guy. He can talk uh, for miles on end. Uh, he has a narrative and a way of thinking about things, but it turned out not to be a particularly consistent narrative. And, you know, he, he made promises to Chris Cuomo, as he did to me, that he could fly up and give us reams of information. Uh, and I said, you know, share your information with me then. Let's do it now. You know, if it's emails, that's what you're talking about. Do it now. He has things that he thinks shows his case. The problem is the things that he thinks it shows uh, may impugn the motives of Rod Wheeler or give uh, some ambiguity to what uh, or even clarity to what he was told by Seymour Hirsch. But it doesn't prove or disprove what he did uh, with the White House. It doesn't prove or disprove the veracity of what he actually was telling Wheeler. Right. You know, it shows that it's just this messy behind the scenes desperate effort to get this thing on the air. Butowski, the key thing I think for Butowski is that he's never been able to reconcile his actual motives with his stated motives. Right. If his actual motives are that he just wants to help the rich family, he's just cutting a check to pay for a private investigator, which is what he's always maintained. Right. Uh, and he wanted to get out of it. Why is he telling me that he can disprove Rod Wheeler's uh, uh, allegations because, uh, through Rod Wheeler's own notes? And I said, well, why do you have his notes if you're just a good Samaritan? Like, why are you investing in this story? Why are you meeting at the White House? He said, well, I was there to introduce Wheeler to uh, Sean Spicer because Wheeler had been pressuring me yeah. to uh, tell him about jobs. And I said, well, even if that's true, that's great. I asked Sean Spicer, did you guys talk about jobs? Was there any sense that Wheeler was being, you know, it was right. a get-to-know-you meeting with Wheeler? He said, we never talked about jobs. Jobs never came up. That well, was not this meeting. Maybe I'm missing something, David, but even in, a, in the bigger picture, if he now thinks so little of Rod Wheeler's credibility – why was he so desperate to use Rod Wheeler to push a major news story on Fox News Channel? And I think you have put your finger, I think you have put your finger on exactly the knot that uh, Dutowski is unable to untie, uh, which is that, uh, you know, until uh, this really blew up, even in the days after this story blew up, uh, he was praising Wheeler to the skies. He had gotten him... Uh, it seems that he got Wheeler from other people at Fox who had suggested him to him. But it also seemed as though he felt this is a guy I can contain or I can uh, somehow uh, manage. I don't want to use the word manipulate exactly, but it's, it certainly looks like that. For example, at the very first meeting, you know, as a media guy, I'm also very interested in Fox's role in all this uh, and, and what this says about them, because I think it's right. revealing and important. Right. But we'll get to that in from a that very first, yeah, From that very first meeting, uh, uh, he introduces Wheeler uh, to Malia Zimmerman of Fox News and says, I'm working with Malia. Uh, and then at the end of the meeting, he's arranging to introduce uh, Wheeler in person to the riches, the people on whose behalf he's ostensibly investigating. And he says, by the way, don't tell the riches about Malia. Let's just not get into that at all. Hmm. So he is masking Hmm. Uh, his, he is camouflaging the interest of the reporter and the involvement of the reporter from the beginning right. in this, th what is presented as an independent investigation with the riches. And they tell me that they had an agreement from the outset that the findings were only to be told to them. Well, Rod was clearly, Rod's client was clearly Ed Butowski. Uh, you know, Rod's client does not appear to have been the riches. And, uh, hmm. you know, whatever his findings or his suppositions are, uh, that's a very hard hump to get over. 
All right, last two questions. One about Fox News Channel, and this actually to me, and you've already implied it, um, but I think it, it's worthy of further mention. Uh, to me, the, the, the greatest evidence that Trump was really involved here is how Fox News Channel, and specifically, even though I know Fox and Friends is a big part of this story, I want to focus on Sean Hannity for a second. Because Sean Hannity went completely nuts on the Seth Rich conspiracy. I mean, he went so far overboard that it became comical, if not also tragic. And having been in the business and knowing Sean a little bit and been a talk show host, I know how this works. And Sean's not a bright guy, uh, so it's possible he might have actually bought into this ridiculous conspiracy theory. But he's not going to go to the lengths that he did, even when he started to get major blowback, even from Fox News Channel itself, which retracted Uh, the Seth Rich story, he's not going to do that unless he's gotten a directive from somebody he really wants to please. And that person has to be Donald Trump. What do you make of that analysis? I think that that's uh, right. Uh, And I think that uh, that, uh, you know, I think as in so many cases, there's really a, a, a a very precise demographic audience being appealed to, and that's Trump and Trump world. Uh, I think that Hannity, with the departure of Bill O'Reilly, has become, you know, its leading face of Fox News. Uh, and I think that uh, with the departure of Roger Ailes and even Bill Shine, who had been uh, a friend and colleague of his for over two decades, uh, Fox doesn't have anybody to really contain him. I mean, if Rupert Murdoch says, don't do this, that'll happen. Uh, and Rupert is nominally the, I believe, the executive chairman of the title over Fox News, as well as the guy at the very top of the pyramid. Uh, but there's not a, you know, these people are settling into new jobs. Jay Wallace has only been president of news for a few months. And, you know, I, not so many years ago, he was just the executive producer of Shep Smith's show. So uh, uh, Sean Hannity feels as though he can kind of get away with stuff. And Fox is not engine. It's not as though he's a rogue opinionator at a place that that's uh deeply devoted to hard news reporting. There are journalists there who care about reporting and do some good work and some, some, some good anchors as well. But, uh, you know, it's obviously an opinion-driven and mm-hmm. at times a purely partisan-driven uh, outfit. And Sean is its best representation of that at the moment. Uh, and he just right. rode this as hard as he could because it was useful to do so. You know, Sean... Uh, Sean Hannity has, has reverted on any number of occasions right now to the need to be uh, prosecuting Hillary Clinton, who was dispatched as an opponent back in November. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just a different topic to talk about that plays exceptionally well in the White House. But the Seth Rich thing, he's not doing it. Uh, and, the, and the White House saying, you know, guys, there's a, uh, that's just not where the intelligence committees come out about where these leaks happen. You've got to contain yourself. And they can't contain Sean Hannity. It's that Hannity is doing this to, very much to please the White House. And I'm sure that there's consultation on storylines on that, even if there wasn't the, you know, the review of, a, of an actual story beforehand. Uh, this has been a touchstone story as a way of uh, using you know, Julian Assange and WikiLeaks from the left to impugn the uh, objections of uh, you know, Democratic establishment, but also the establishment of the national security and intelligence agencies who say this is clearly a Russian uh, uh, operation. Which is why I think your story, if, if the essence of it is true, uh, is so incredibly important because everything surrounding the Trump uh, administration crumbles. And the only way this would make any sense 
is if the uh, the Russian story of collusion or something close to that is 100% true, because otherwise uh, Trump's actions would make absolutely no sense whatsoever, and that this is all a sign of a massive cover-up of that. Now, we won't... My frustration, David, and I, this is my last question for you, is that I don't think we're ever going to know. I, I don't think that... I'm looking at the incentives here, and I'm looking at Fox News Channel, which has a huge incentive to settle any of these lawsuits. They got the money to do so. They want to protect Trump. They want to protect uh, the perception of what's left of their journalistic credibility. They want to protect Hannity. And Rod Wheeler wants money. So to me, it's pretty obvious that this thing's going to get settled and we're never going to get to the bottom of it. Am I right? Well, let's, let's, let's take just a moment and unpack here. Uh, first, let's look at Fox, and then let's go to the White House. From Fox's case, it is not defending the journalism here. It retracted it after a week under severe pressure, and pressure internally that came not from the news side, necessarily. Uh, in addition, uh, you know what we know from documentary evidence that so far has not been contradicted, although it may, it would very much seem credible to say uh, that this was a concocted story. What do you hear from Trump when he gets coverage that's uh, inconvenient? What do you hear uh, from news. his supporters? And say, you got it. <laughs> so what actually happened here is that Fox News, a network that has taken up the fake news crime on behalf of the president, perhaps as much as or more than any other media outfit in the country, uh, concocted a story, putting words into the mouth of a key source, relying on an FBI source that they have not so far spoken up for at all since uh, in the in 10, 12, whatever weeks, since uh, 10 weeks since the publication of the story. Uh, uh, actually, two and a half months now. Uh, and they've, uh, they essentially, two key parts of this seem unsupportable. And why is that? Well, the story clearly was supporting the president. Whether or not the president was involved, you know, a vocal presidential advocate got involved, who, who's very familiar to Fox, got involved with a Fox reporter from the outset in an agenda to try to deflect uh, attention and criticism of the president on the Russia question. And so this was an agenda story driven from the outset. That's not a great look for Fox News on its news side. This was a story where they appear to have put words in the mouth of their key source, and there's another source dangling out there that we have no knowledge of, you know, no way to validate or to, uh, to, to verify, and that they're not talking about so far. They've been dead silent, and I've asked about it. So this seems to be... Cr- Fair to call, and I'm getting no pushback from the new networks on this, let's call a fake news story. So that was done on behalf of President Trump with an agenda that drove it from its genesis. That is a problem for Fox News. and it But they're going to settle. The they're going to settle, and we're never going to be able to prove it. You know, you say that, but right now there's 20-some lawsuits outstanding from Fox, and there's, you know, uh, from this law firm alone. Uh, there's also other lawsuits uh, pending. Uh, Andrea Tantaros. Andrea Tanteros and uh, Julie Raginsky, among them, who are suing for uh, sexual harassment. Uh, and uh, they seem to have drawn a line earlier this year where they did not want any additional uh, 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 payments going out. They seem to say, we've got to draw a line, otherwise we're just going to be a cash cow for everyone who comes to Yeah, but this one is different, David. This one, this one, this one the, stakes, pretty explosive. the stakes are really high on this one, and uh, they have a massive incentive to settle, and, and according to everything we know, Rod Wheeler needs money. So you put those two together, that equals settlement. And, and look, you may not be wrong. It's a point that editors and I have talked about. This thing may end up settling. But the, the documentation that got to court, right, uh, was significant enough 
that for my interest, which is to understand how news comes to be and how, how in this case, fake news came to be. Uh, it was an extraordinary revealing window, and it offered us only a partial view of the White House, but it offered us an extraordinary view into to what happened to the making of the story at Fox News. I think we don't know yet. And, you know, to your point from the outset of this conversation, uh, because of the nature of this White House and the nature of this presidency, uh, uh, I think you have to get, allow for the possibility that there is a not insignificant chance that those, those allegations are quite true. But we are always going to try to do our very best to be very careful to parse what we actually know, what we think we know, and what we're not sure about, uh, even as we explore all the, uh, all the uh, angles and threads of this crazy story. Fascinating stuff. NPR's David Falkenflick, thanks so much for your time, and let's please keep in touch. You bet. Take care, David. All right. uh, That was uh, the kind of interview that you're only going to get on the World According to Zig podcast. Uh, David's done a few other interviews, not that many, but um, my sense is that we got into subjects that uh, other interviewers would not, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. It's a really fascinating story for sure, and as I said, it's either incredibly significant or it's a situation where uh, really – the news media is understandably and almost um, required to jump to conclusions because of the bizarre nature of this White House that are being manipulated in order to force a settlement of a lawsuit. And that's my guess as to where we're going. What the truth of this is, I don't know. But my gut tells me Trump had something to do with it. Whether it was as direct and uh, as obvious as alleged in lawsuit, I don't know. But just take a look at Sean Hannity's reaction to that Seth Rich conspiracy bullcrap story. And I think um, you really, that's almost everything you need to know. Just follow, it's, you know, you've heard the phrase, follow the money. With Trump, just follow Sean Hannity. Just follow Sean Hannity. He'll lead you away from the truth in one way, but in another entirely different way, he'll lead you to the actual truth. Uh, as I always, uh, in, in including especially this uh, bonus hour number three of the World According to Zig podcast, I ask only two things of you. If you enjoyed it, please share it via social media and word of mouth. And number two, if you're one of those people who sleeps and when you sleep, you sheets, do yourself a favor and listen to this important message. My name's John Ziegler. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Coffee? Oh, thanks. How did you sleep? Ugh, like a baby. I don't want to get out of bed. Ever. These sheets are mm, incredibly soft. What did you say they're called again? Performance bedding by Sheiks. <laughs> performance bedding? <laughs> yeah. They're made from super high-tech performance fabric. They're incredibly breathable, so you're not waking up at night throwing covers off and then an hour later throwing them back on. Huh. No wonder I slept so good. Since I started using Sheiks, I sleep like a baby. No more sweaty nights for me. No? Well. <laughs> well, I like them because they're soft. They feel like, mm, silk. Performance fabric, huh? Maybe we should... Oh, I don't know. Try them out again. <laughs> <laughs> Comfort and performance for better sleep. That's Sheiks. S-H-E-E-X. Sheiks. Try Sheiks for 30 nights risk-free. Go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com, promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 1212.